0: Welcome to Season 3 of American Political History, Conformity, War, and Liberty, Visible Saints. Protestantism has a fundamental issue. Its theology lacks a limiting principle. Once you have decided that your relationship with God is individual, and each other person's relationship with God is also individual, you can no longer have a unified religion. As much as the Puritans tried to build a commonwealth under one conformed view of Protestant Christianity, They would be continually forced to address the growth of divergent views, none more famously than Anne Hutchinson. Her father was a preacher who was so outspoken that he was jailed 20 years before Laud came to power in the Church of England. Anne's father encouraged her to read his small library of religious works. She developed biblical skills that would rival almost any minister, and that was on top of her practical skills of midwifery and as an herbalist. Well, in England, she would become enamored with John Cotton's preachings. A few times per year, she would make the 25-mile trek by foot to Old Boston to hear him preach. John Cotton was famous for invoking within his parishioners a passion, devotion, and awe of the greatness of God. John Cotton, like other Puritans, refused to wear the fancy vestments, the surplus. He condemned them as garbs of the prideful, that they were devoid of religious meaning, and he simplified his mass by rejecting the practices of the Church of England, and most egregiously in their eyes, he would give his sermons in plain English so the educated and the laboring classes could understand the word of God for themselves. When the Puritan leaders immigrated to New England, it left many who shared their beliefs in England, wondering if they would be the next best target for Lod and the Church of England. And with another round of plague hitting London, likely to kill 15-20% to 20% of the population, Why not leave for a cleaner, healthier location? Although the English of the time had little understanding of the plague and disease, people were aware that if you left before it spread to your town, then you might be able to escape it. Anne sent her 20-year-old son to New England. He was on the same boat as John Cotton. Anne was pregnant and would follow up the next year with the rest of the family. This would give her husband time to wind down his fabric business in England, and the whole family could then immigrate. So in 1634, Anne and her husband with their 15 children would immigrate to New England, settling in Boston. Puritan doctrine was that God would save a tiny minority of people and send the rest to hell. And because people were by nature corrupt, nothing they could do could change this. Salvation of an individual was predetermined by God. Puritans believe that through diligent study of scripture and laboring, as God's hands on earth through works, one could be called by God as one who was saved. This would be known as becoming a visible saint, and after death, these saved would be glorified in heaven. In Massachusetts Bay, only those that could prove their status as a visible saint could join as a member of a church. This was the justification for the vigorous testing for all of the new congregational members. They had to prove their visible sainthood with knowledge of scripture and a list of works that they had accomplished. A saintly person lived a life of God's good works, and those good works would often bless that person with worldly success. That success would be proof of their salvation. This theology, though, was riddled with self-doubt. Even that worldly proof of being a visible saint would not give them proof that God himself had given them salvation in heaven. No amount of works proved that. Life and the world was a sort of hell of doubt for Puritans. Even for the visible saints, life was a test of self-doubt. Had they done enough, could they do more, should they have done more already? John Cotton was subtly changing this belief. He taught that diligently listening to preaching was a common way to hear God's call to salvation. And hearing this call would give you confidence. That you had been called by God and were among the saved. Like many Puritan clergy, John Cotton preached to fear God's judgment. But more than his colleagues, he invoked hope in his congregation that they were amongst God's saved, that every person was given the means to their own salvation. This passion and conviction that God loved them, had chosen them for salvation, gave them his grace freely. Changed, or depending on your perspective, undermined everything in Puritan orthodoxy. This emphasis on grace of the heart, over the arduous works that were necessary step to becoming saved, Would start to split the Commonwealth. The magistrates of the Bay feared that this idea of free grace, that God's free grace allowed everyone the possibility of salvation without works, could and would cause people to act however they wanted in life, since being saved was random grace, not a life of proving your worthiness to God. They would rebut this argument. What God would give a murderer grace, yet fail those who worked their entire lives for his works. They also feared that these dissenters' abandonment or weakening of the covenant of works would also lead to the abandonment and weakening of the Commonwealth's two foundational covenants with God. The first covenant was the covenant of the Commonwealth, that is to say, seeing to it that their family and neighbors kept their covenant with God by completing their own works. The second covenant was of the church, that is, the obligation to attend church, study scripture, and perform church duties, including completing works. Anne Hutchinson was clearly a magnetic personality. Even while immigrating on the boat, Anne would gather a flock around her, of especially women, because she, unlike the Puritan clergy, talked with those women about their ability and capacity to find God's grace. This was in stark contrast to being told or being wholly dependent on the clergy's interpretations of a woman's path to salvation. When they arrived in Boston, William Hutchinson, Anne's husband, was quickly accepted as a visible saint and given admission into the Church of Boston. Anne's acceptance was delayed and took multiple interviews due to her unique views on grace. Governor Winthrop reviewed all passenger logs of immigrants into the bay, filtering out those that were undesirable and barring their entrance as members of the Church, which also banned them from becoming a voting member of the Commonwealth. Winthrop had heard rumors of Anne's sharp and public religious opinions. But when she arrived in 1634, the Bay was in need of people, especially people of skill like those trained in midwifery. Anne settled into Boston with her family and became a prominent midwife and herbalist. William Hutchinson was elected as a selectman of the Boston church. Anne, even though she was clearly skilled with a magnetic personality, would never hold any official position within the church because Puritan orthodoxy was that a woman's role was in the household, Women could not hold any public office, in church, or in the New England courts. But a barrier to official positions would not stop Anne from quickly becoming an unofficially important person within the community. Anne started holding religious study meetings in her house. These meetings were called conventicles, and were not unusual in England. At the meetings, the attendees discussed the sermons from the prior Sunday's service, and the scriptures on which those sermons were built. Anne was clearly gifted at this, as she kept drawing a larger and larger following at these conventicles. As these meetings grew larger, exceeding at times 80 attendees, it was moved from her house to the meeting hall at the Church of Boston itself. Anne Hutchinson interpreted Cotton's preaching of open grace aggressively, putting even more emphasis on God's free grace and less emphasis on the individual scriptural knowledge for salvation. She was also circumventing, the salvational need for clerical authorities to interpret the scripture for you in order for you to gain salvation in God's eyes. She sought after an inner light, a calling of Christ's spirit of salvation, and she led others toward that goal. Anne would publicly critique the clergy, and it's important to note Anne's public comment was not going to the town square and shouting her critique, or posting pamphlets, or writing in a newspaper, or posting on Facebook or Twitter. It was her act, even in her home, in a private meeting of sharing critiques about a member of the clergy. Her critique in these conventicles was that many of the preachers focused too heavily on earthly works for the proof of an individual's salvation. This was salvation being judged in human hands, not by human actions. That was blasphemy to her. The clergy, would have insisted they preach only the covenant of grace, that salvation is obtained only by God's inexplicable grace, but that a life of works is the most reasonable sign of salvation. But Anne was not publicly saying their interpretation of how much of a combination of grace and works was needed. She was saying that what they were doing might lead them and their flock astray from God into damnation, that they might be inadvertently doing the devil's work. In 1636, Henry Vane would become governor of the Bay. He was known to attend Anne's coventicles from time to time, and Vane, like a majority of the congregation in Boston, followed John Cotton's and Anne's interpretation of free grace. When Wilson, a minister from a neighboring community, came to give a sermon in Boston, rotating clergy from season to season was common Puritan practice in New England, his sermon focused very hard on the covenants of works, when the congregation would attempt to debate him on the scriptural arguments, he was outraged. In his mind, a congregation was supposed to ask for elaborations? Maybe. But they should not be questioning the basis of his teachings. He was an educated member of the clergy. As he investigated this outrageousness within Boston, he heard of Anne's coventicles. Anne, an uneducated woman, had even approached Wilson and questioned his sermon herself. When he continued... In his preceding weeks to preach his hard line on works, Anne and many of her followers would walk out in the middle of his sermons. Anne would publicly, privately in her house, question Wilson's teachings in her conventicles, including questioning Wilson's spiritual seal, or his communication with the Holy Spirit itself, not a minor accusation in the Puritan world. Later, in 1636, John Wheelwright, a minister, and Anne's brother-in-law would arrive in Boston. He would be invited to preach. He was an Anglican minister and agreed with free grace, and more dangerously, he preached that salvation didn't have to be earned through a life of good works. After Wheelwright's sermon, many of the clergy in the surrounding area started talking about the non-conformity of the Church of Boston. These accusations would reach the Magisters of the Bay. They called upon Thomas Shepard, who was a renowned theologian educated at the highest schools in England to address the legitimacy of these claims of nonconformity within the Boston Church. When Thomas Shepard heard that they were teaching an almost exclusive covenant of grace, he became alarmed. He felt that this was a polluting influence seeping into the Puritan Commonwealth. Shepard was also offended by the nonconformity of a woman questioning a member of the clergy on theological subjects. The magistrates would start the process of admonition against the leaders of the Church of Boston, and they would not shy away from using the full force of the state to pressure those it saw as standing against the conformity of the commonwealth as a whole. Their targets were John Cotton, John Realwright, and Anne Hutchinson. Thank you for listening to this episode of American Political History. If you want to support the show, please subscribe and leave a five-star rating, and share the show with someone you think would enjoy listening. Thank you again, and until next time.